Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions live from the studios here in Aurora, Colorado, <clears throat> coming to you from the Grace FM Radio Network. Welcome, welcome, welcome. 303 6 Nine zero three thousand three oh three six nine zero three thousand. Text me seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. We'll take your calls and your texts throughout the show. Welcome everyone on the Radio by Grace Network. You're listening live. Um, and anyone listening on Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, you're listening to this one week uh, later. One week delayed, but that's how the technology works. And we're taking your call, 303-690-3000. We're going to be here for Bible study tonight. <clears throat> we are studying verse by verse through the book of Genesis. We're just finishing up chapter 11, another chapter. Almost half of it is more genealogy, but that's okay. Uh, we'll address the chapter uh, in its entirety tonight, allowing the Holy Spirit not only to give us insight, but also application from His Word. And then next time, excuse me, next time we're together, uh, we'll be launching into one of the almost epic chapters. So epic, I'm taking two weeks to cover it, and that's probably not even enough. You could easily do a series in just Genesis 12, but it's the great call of Abraham on uh, that through which the, the Messiah will come. So anyway, we love studying the Bible here, but we love fellowship, we love communion, we love worshiping together in song, and just you know allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh, uh, to use us in great ways, and to um, minister to us. So we encourage you to come on out if you're here in the Denver metro area. Uh, we are in southeast Aurora, you can go to our website, calvaryco.church, calvaryco.church, and all the information on service times, location, maps, live, all of that. It's all available. 303-690-3000. We'll start right now in Denver. Quan, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. I just had a quick question. Uh, what are your thoughts on Christians playing the lottery? Yeah, I don't. I don't support Christians playing the lottery. I believe it's a form of gambling and risk taking with the resources that God's given you, and so I don't believe the Bible supports it. Oh, okay. Yeah, because uh, my sister is always buying like scratch tickets and all that, yeah. and I always keep telling her like stop spending your money and all that stuff. I'm, but I don't have a real reason to tell her why not to play. Well, I, I think that we have to put it in the same category of all types of gambling and risk-taking to 
try to um, bring wealth without work. Um, that's kind of our system and our economy. And because it's the way our economy works, it just gets implicit approval. But there's always somebody that loses. Um, there's always somebody that pays the price. Uh, there's always somebody that profits. Uh, it's an unequal, there's an, uh, an, an inequality when it comes to the, um, to the risk with, with gambling. Now, you know, the reality is, the reality is, is that there are a lot of instances where this kind of behavior <clears throat> exists. But, you know, you look at the motivation, you look at the reason. I know somebody could say, well, I play the lottery so that I can give most of it uh, to charity or something. And, you know, I can't really judge someone's uh, motives on that. But the lottery in particular is is just really another form of taxation by the government. That's really all it is. And it gives you the illusion that you have you're going to win money when all all the while the government keeps half of the money uh, and uses it however they want, and then one person or you know in some cases it's spread out to a few people here and there. Um, they also win, but the big winner in the lottery is the government. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're okay. I would even say they're the guaranteed winner. They're the only ones that are guaranteed to win. Fifty uh, percent yeah. of the proceeds plus operating costs. Yeah, exactly. Okay, sounds good. Well, thank you for your answer, Carson. Okay, bless you. Bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Taking your calls and your questions, and you can always text me. Uh, we fill the program with text calls seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Well, Calvary Live has been on the air for quite a few years now, and we are are counted an honor uh, over the years to add so many listeners and so many stations to the lineup, and it is a show where you can call in. Uh, it is not primarily a Bible answer show, although we do obviously answer Bible questions. It's more of a pastoral show where we walk through uh, different scenarios or questions or issues going on and apply the Word of God to it. It's like our, um, <clears throat> it's like our, um, what's the word I want to use? Um, our attempt to get the pastor out of the pulpit uh, and into a place where we can, con- you know, have a conversation about the things of the Lord, uh, and take advantage of it. You know, I, I remember uh, as a new believer, there was a there was a Bible, um, <clears throat> there was a Bible Answer Man program. I think that's what it was called, the Bible Answer Man, um, way back in the day um, before Hank Hanegraaff. Um, I remember listening to the program with. Um, Oh my goodness! Uh, what was his name, Kevin? The pre-Hank Hank Hanegraaff. Uh, he wrote the book Kingdom of the Cults. Um, he was the original Bible Answer Man, and I learned so much um, from that program. Uh, his name is Walter Martin, <laughs> Doctor Walter Martin, and uh, you know, Bible discussions are relatively rare in the culture that we're in right now. So to provide an environment 
uh, on this particular radio station where we can talk about things uh, and answer questions and pray for one another, uh, it's a good thing. So give me a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Like prayers for my daughter, she was recently diagnosed uh, with having uh, bipolar disorder and depression and started taking medication. She's only 21 and under great distress. So, Father, I pray for this young woman who's under great distress, battling back these intrusive thoughts and worry and anxiety. God, it is um, a very challenging uh, medical diagnosis to go through. It's a very challenging way to live your life. Uh, to be overwhelmed and overcome by all these emotions. And so I pray, God, that you would help uh, this young woman overcome, live a life of overcoming, uh, live a life of of great strength, and uh, be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. All lines are open. Text me. Seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Hey, Pastor, can you pray for me? This is the text that came in to hear the shepherd's voice. And how can I clearly understand when God is telling me something, or if I'm convincing myself God is telling me something? Uh, so I'll pray for you at the end. Um, let me answer the question to some degree. How can I clearly understand when God is telling me something? Well, I know some. I know some ways to clearly understand where God's not telling you something. Uh, one is when you think you're hearing from God, but it is against the Bible. Um, clearly against the Bible. We know that's not from God. God is not going to contradict Himself when He gives directions. So when you are sensing again, we'll use something silly, and and I admit that it it is silly. But you kind of you call up and go, you know what? I think God's calling me to rob a bank. No, God is not calling you to rob a bank. You can quickly dismiss that. Or God's calling me to, you know, be involved in sexual sin. No, the Bible is not. God's not telling you to get involved in sexual sin. The Bible clearly says that the will of God is for your sanctification, uh, that you abstain from fleshly lusts. You know, sexual sin. So I know I know that it's not from God when it contradicts uh, the scriptures, and then I also know it's not uh, God when He's when you you're saying something is from God, but it's not consistent with His character or His nature, um, and you can apply that to any of the gray areas. Um, you know, I think God's telling me I can smoke cigarettes and pipes and I can chew tobacco the rest of my life. Okay, so that's maybe nowhere in the Bible are we going to say that's a sin. But the character and the nature of God is that you take care of yourself and that you take care of your temple. Um, and yes, it applies to eating, it applies to exercise, it applies to every, you know, because usually when people get backed into a corner, they'll say, but, but wait a minute, you know, then that means people that are gluttonous should, yes, that's exactly what it means. Or that means people that aren't exercising, yes, that's exactly what it means. And it also applies to smoking and to taking in substances that would hasten your death or your um, being unhealthy um, to, to the best of your ability with, um, any kind of direction from health professionals and doctors and nutritionists. So yes, yes, it's all across the board. Um, and 
you know, ultimately, if it's if it's not against the word and it's not against his character, for example, I'll give you another one. I was a singles pastor for many years, and you know, when a when a brother says, "I really think God's will for me is to marry that woman," okay, well, that's a hard one to argue with. So why don't we go introduce you and let's introduce you. You can become friends, and then in that friendship, you express your feelings, and the female says. And it goes both ways, female to male. I'm just using a male example because I have a guy in my mind that I remember particularly, but it goes both ways. And in that friendship, the female says, I do not want to pursue a relationship in that way with you. I would like to remain friends and maybe go out uh, for dinner after service with other friends, but I don't want to go and date you. I don't believe I want to pursue this relationship. And then you say, oh, no, but God told me. Well, no. No, you have your answer by the person saying they didn't want to pursue that relationship. So you you aren't going to be in a position where um, you can't claim that God is telling you to do something when in reality uh, it is not agreed upon by the other people that are involved. Now, the part of whether I don't know whether God is—if it passes all the tests— and maybe even get some sound counsel too, like some brothers or sisters that are walking with the Lord that can you can bounce that idea off of and just see if you know there's a an agreement and a unity among your friends, um, just really biblically, not just opinions. And you know if it passes all of these tests, then you just have step out in faith to discover whether it's the will of God or not. You know we don't really know, um, so a lot of it is just stepping stepping out by faith and allowing the holy spirit to confirm um what that lord what that is and sometimes it you can see yeah, it was from the lord and other times not and that's just the way stepping out and living by faith really is 303-690-3000 303-690-3000 is the number, um, taking your calls and your questions. And we have, strangely enough, halfway into the first half, completely open lines. Uh, and those are available for you. 303-690-3000. Text me, 720 all right, let's see what we got here. Here's a question that came in. I'm wondering how to fit repentance into my witnessing and leading people to Jesus. Well, that's a great question because repentance is a key component of salvation. Jesus came preaching repentance. John the Baptist came preaching repentance. God the Father calls people to repentance. And so fitting it in or including it is very important. A person really can't truly be saved without understanding their sin and understanding the sacrifice for Jesus, which includes our turning away from sin, which is the fancy word for repentance. One of the techniques that's been taught uh, by uh, the way of the Master Ministries, Ray Comfort, is to use the law, the law of God, as a way to show someone that they have sinned, uh, and he—I'm I'm very much simplifying this. 
he's done full classes on this, but this is definitely a simplification of it, where you go to the Ten Commandments and you ask somebody, have you ever lied? Uh, have you ever stolen? And eventually you're going to get a yes. And the the result of that is that, well, yeah, I've lied. Then then the Bible declares you a liar. Or yes, I've sto- stolen. Well, then the Bible declares you a thief. And, you know, allowing that to call call up or, or um, stir up a conversation about sin in general, and then sin in particular. And then if a person has admitted that they've sinned, there's only one remedy to that, and that is to, to repent. Um, you know, the Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, so that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, which is includes repentance, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And and so you want to include it anytime anytime you're including and you you must talk about sin when it comes to a gospel presentation. Um it has to be a part of the conversation because there's no true understanding of the sacrifice of Christ. It's, it's meaningless if it wasn't for something. And we know it was for something. It was for the forgiveness of sin. So great question. Thanks for asking. Hey, Ed, what are your thoughts on the re-engage minist- marriage ministry? I see it's not offered at Calvary, but at Crossroads in Parker. I've never heard of re-engage mar- ministry, marriage ministry I'm sorry, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a particular ministry or a group of people, um, but we prefer, um, you know, here at Calvary, we prefer to take the Word of God and disciple through uh, a relationship. We've never really adopted a marriage ministry, like an outside marriage ministry, per se. Um, We do have a couple of ministries outside of the church, like Grief Share, because they just do such a great job to use their tools or... You know, most excellent way is another tool that we use for those struggling with um, addictions. But I don't know anything about this particular marriage ministry. And you're right we we don't use that third party. Um, that third party, if it is a third party, we don't use that third party marriage material. Um, doesn't mean it's good or bad. I don't know anything about it. Um, so um, my brother John is the pastor down at Crossroads in Parker. Um, I would call them. Um, unless you're already familiar with the ministry resources, I would call them, call their, their church. Their, John is a great brother in the Lord. He loves Jesus, does a great job pastoring. I know quite a few families that used to come here, go to that church now, uh, and so I know they're well cared for and taken care of. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. And yes, there's no red lights still. It's okay. Um we can keep talking. I've getting, uh, I'm keeping. I'm getting all kinds of uh, texts. So that's good. Um, I have a question about in the book of Mark, chapter ten, verse fifteen. Jesus is teaching there, and let me just. I love it when you attach a question to a scripture. Jesus says, "Let's." And in order to answer it, let's. <clears throat> Let's um, take the paragraph, um, Mark ten thirteen. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them, but the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw that what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. 
And he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took children in his arms, placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. Okay. Your question is, um, can you explain it? Yes, I can. I just read to you uh, from the NLT. I like the NLT uh, as it draws out this particular section. Jesus is using the the simplicity, the trustworthiness, the innocence, the commitment, the faith of children, and saying, this is how you enter into the kingdom of God. You know how adults can be arrogant, proud, um, self-centered, you know, the, the the younger children are, the less they absorb all these sinful traits from their parents and their grandparents and the world in which we live. And Jesus is just, hey, look, you guys, don't send these away. Children are a beautiful example of the kind of attitude and mindset that we're to have to enter in the kingdom of God. Simple, trustworthy, uh, relying upon those that are in authority, and of course, in, when it comes to salvation, the one in authority is God himself, uh, and Jesus receives them, and he just uses this whole illustration to say, look, guys, it's it's not childishness, it's childlikeness, and you let them come to me because they're very special. Um, the kingdom of God belongs to these kids. They, they understand that we were just having some time with our new children's ministry leaders today, and just talking about the wonder of serving kids and and the joy of ministering to kids, the, the responsibility, of course, and uh, the the need for it. But man, kids are special, and we're to the, they they can be a tremendous example to us on what it means to follow Christ. So, very good question. Thanks for texting it in. Let's see what we have on the phone line. Coming back to Aurora. Matt, welcome to the program. Oh, I got to hit the button. Sorry. <laughs> Matt, you're on the air. Can you hear me? Yeah, I forgot to hit the button. My fault. No problem. How are you doing today, Pastor? I'm doing well. Great. So my question is this. Um, what would your viewpoint be as being a Christian going to a wedding where that wedding is between two people who are both previously married, entered into a relationship during that marriage, they both got divorced from their spouses, and then because of their relationship, and now in this relationship, they're getting married. Wow. Interesting. So you have two people, two separate marriages, Yep. and those guys got divorced. Yep. And then what two are getting married? The two that were involved in the affair. So one half of the marriage. On both sides. So you have right? two different weddings that resulted no, from just, two affairs. Just one wedding. Okay. Right? Okay, so we have four people. Yep. And the husband and wife that were cheated on, they are getting married or they're not they're not involved. It's the people that No, were... it's the husband and wife that were cheating together. Okay. From two married divorces yeah. and then and then are marrying each other now. And there's no repentance. Um, so I'm, I'm asking questions now. There's no repentance? I don't believe so. I don't believe they'd still be in that relationship if there was repentance. Right. And they're... That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, these are the judgment calls we have to make, right? Because 
You know, yeah. Jesus was Jesus went to a wedding of seemingly unbelievers or celebrating a wedding within the old covenant. So you could say that they were God followers up to that point. Um, he was involved with a lot of difficult situations that involve sin. Um, so we know it's possible uh, to be a part of something without sharing in it. We know that. Um, but I know that we would not perform that wedding as a church. Like our pastors wouldn't be involved. Um, we wouldn't allow them to use the property for that wedding. Um, you know, we one of the first questions, one of the first things we would do is to walk through, you know, previous relationships, children, repentance, reconciliation, um, any of that. Um, the the only thing that could possibly put this marriage on a, um, you know, the only couple things that would be worth exploring to make this marriage anything that God could bless is that, number one, the other the offended spouses have remarried, um, you know, and which is the offended spouses most certainly can remarry if they choose so. They can also wait uh, for reconcilia- reconciliation if they choose so, but um, the way that you describe this situation, the two people you describe are living in unconfessed, unrepentant sin, and I don't yeah. think I could participate in it personally as a friend. Okay, so you would you wouldn't go to the wedding? Um, Probably not. All right, and then my follow up question to that is: um, Say you're married, and your spouse wants to go to the wedding, and you don't believe you should be going to the wedding. And it's creating conflict within your own marriage. What would your suggestion be there? Yeah, I mean that, that's a that's a real opportunity for spiritual growth within the marriage. Um, that's a real opportunity to talk it through and to make sure that <clears throat> to make sure that in our discussions and our debates that we're using a biblical standard for our decisions, not our opinions. Because I can understand how strong opinions and forgiveness. You know, this whole topic of forgiveness would would say, "Well, I forgive them." Um, and, and I would say that's admirable and wonderful, or that's my best friend. That's who I grew up with. And, and that's admirable and wonderful. But from a biblical standpoint, how would a person like if God, if, if they are living in an unconfessed, unforgiven state before God, how can I do more than God does? Um, and so I think that it opens a door, maybe even sitting down, if there's a great disagreement on it, sitting down with a third party, because just to sort out your disagreement and your differences because you know this is a this is a significant point of view and before i just immediately dismiss my wife because she disagrees with me i'd want to hear what her point of view is and then i'd want to hear yeah. what her biblical decision is and then ultimately i mean she's going to make up her mind to do whatever she wants to do like she if she wants to go then I, i'm not her dad like i can't tell her what to do and what not to do um, but I would want to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, and and talk it through to see if we can't get to some new agreement. Okay. Let me pray for you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that, Father. I do pray for Matt, and I think he also represents quite a few marriages with just similar disagreements, maybe different reasons, but similar disagreements where uh, friendships, emotions. Um, even the momentous occasion of a marriage where people are moving on and moving forward. Lord, we just need wisdom because we we recognize that not everyone lives in a perfect uh, life. They don't all live sinless, neither do we. Uh, and how can we best 
represent God, your heart, your desire, um, in a way that honors you and in no way messes with our own integrity, with our own convictions. Um, and so help us, God, because these these are messy situations. And I pray for the people we um, talked about. I pray for their kids. There's a reason why you hate divorce. It's painful. It, it is fracturing. It disintegrates not only um, families, but friendships uh, and relationships. And so I just pray for wisdom on Brother Matt. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, brother, you hear the music. We'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Calvary Live, second half of the program. Welcome, everyone, on Higher Rock Radio, Truth FM, Hope FM, uh, around the East Coast, up and down the East Coast, and then, of course, you guys in Idaho. And on the Radio by Grace and the Grace FM networks, again, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Um, You can pray for us, Grace FM, uh, as we're um, wanting to add one more radio station and there may be a possibility. I don't think it's a strong one, but I saw another one come up for sale. I'm not entirely happy with where it's at, but I did get a text out to someone that's going to drive it for us, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what it looks like. Um, it's not what I was praying for, but at the same time, I was praying for God's will. So whatever, it could be nothing. It could be exactly what I envisioned, or or it could be uh, exceedingly abundantly above all we can think or ask. So. Um, just pray for us. I know Bill's always putting new stations on. I know Truth FM is looking to put new signals on. I think uh, Boise, they're going to be upping their, I think they got approved for uh, upping their uh, signal strength. Uh, so that's always good. This is awesome in these last days. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Uh, let me take this question real quick from the text line, and we'll get back to the phone lines. In response to your sermon on the gift of teaching this past week, does an individual need to have the spiritual gift of teaching in order to be the lead pastor of a church? Yes, I do believe that. I believe the gifting should be pastors, teachers, but there is also a separate, in Ephesians 4, gifting of teacher. But I do believe that the gift of pastor-teacher, we certainly know, even if you have debate on this, but we certainly know in 1 Timothy 3 that if you're going to be an elder, which many people believe that episkopos there or the um, you know the role of elder, pastor, um, uh, elder, pastor, I forget, you know, spiritual leader, but the, the lead pastor of the church should be able to teach and express an ability. But Ephesians chapter 4 says God's given to his church, pastors, teachers, which in the original language puts those two together. Uh, but yes, absolutely. Um, the, I would even go so far to say, and I think I mentioned it in the message this weekend, uh, that the, um, let me just pull up my notes, I'll tell you exactly what I said, uh, so I can quote it. 
um, because I thought, especially second service, I had a real strong exhortation. I don't think it came out uh, as strong in the other services, um, but it definitely came out strong second service where um, I said, I said, regular systematic teaching of the Word of God is the primary function of the pastor teacher. Uh, I used 1 Timothy 3 for that. I also used Titus chapter 1, verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict, um, and even exhorted young Timothy to take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, 1 Timothy 4, 16. And wouldn't you know it, I just got a text, Kevin, the station I asked my brother to drive, he said it's just static. So I think it's either not on the air, which maybe we might have to get it fired up, uh, or it's just what I thought it was, a small station in the middle of nowhere uh, to cattle and coyotes. 303-690-3000 is the number. Um, Sorry for talking to Kevin, but he's right here in front of me. All right, let's go to Texas. Trisha, welcome to the program. Thank you. Hi. Okay, so I don't know how to fix a problem. I got into an argument with my friend um, because I read the NIV. He was telling me I read a corrupt Bible. He only believes in the King James Version, and he says that that is the only And not that I'm trying to argue, but I just, in my heart, don't feel like that's true. Yeah, it, it isn't true. Uh, the King James Bible is an accurate reliable translation of one set of manuscripts. You know, they have two primary sets of manuscripts uh, that scholars have discovered, and the King James Version relies upon one set, the Textus Receptus is what the tech, the um, that set of manuscripts are, and the other one is the West Carden Hort um, uh, translation of the uh, the Greek translation of the manuscripts. And there's a big debate today of modern uh, translations uh, to the King James Version. But here's the big question to ask. And this is one that should stop the argument, probably won't, but it should stop it. And just ask your friend, just really kindly, hey, remember we were talking about the King James? I've got a real important question to ask. What did the church rely upon before the King James Version? And are they are they true believers? Because, you know, the King James Version, there are varying versions of it, but you're looking at 1500s, you know, the 1500s. So for 1500 years, the church existed without the King James Version. Was Is that okay? I mean, I know it's just a simple law, because you and I, we're not scholars. We're not living in this realm. We're not reading or watching YouTube videos on the arguments of King James only, because we don't have time for that. We're doing other things, walking in the ways of the Lord, trusting the Lord with what he's been given us and uh, what he's given us in his word. And, you know, I think that the King James only crowd is very myopic. They only see what's before them. They only limit the the they they limit their argument to the english speaking people of the world i mean i could go on and on but the real question is what have i mean let's put the emphasis back on a person that's giving the assertion 
They're making the assertion, you prove it to me. I don't need to argue with you about it. You tell me why it's the most important. And there's a really good chance that one of two things is going to happen. Number one, they're just going to spout off things that they read in a book or saw in a YouTube video. Or two, they're going to have no idea how to answer your question. See, I'm new to my walk of faith. And for me, um, the way he's teaching, if I would have came across him, I would have not come to Jesus. Yes. I would have turned away, like, no way, that's not for me. He's all about rules, and you got to be this way and that way. And if you only read this Bible, and if you don't, you're a moron, because you will be able to understand the old King James Version. I just, it's my attitude. I don't want to learn. And I argue, like, how do you teach someone the Word of God? I asked him, I was like, what's more important, being completely knowledge and can quote verses or being full of the love of God and just sharing your love with people? And he said, well, if you're going off emotions, you're wrong. Right. And I was like, wow. I, and he blocked me, deleted me. And okay, I, good. I was like, I love you. If I offended you, I apologize. No, no. I just can't stand by you proclaiming that the only way to God is through the King James Version Bible. Yeah, I think that you, uh, in your newness to your relationship with Jesus, did very, very well. This is not the last person like this that you're going to meet. Unfortunately, within the family of God, like any family, right, we're all dysfunctional. We all have families, and within the family of God, there are those that love to fight and argue, and, you know, the Bible actually tells you to avoid this stuff. Did you know that? I did not. It says, let me give you a couple of examples. In in the book of First Timothy, in chapter 6, verse 20, it says, avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. And another one, and I'm reading to you, sorry, I'm not quoting it from the King James, I'm reading to you from the New Living Translation, which is the translation I would suggest you start with as a new believer because it is translated into modern-day understanding, not 1500s language. And here's another one. Avoid worthless and foolish talk. It only leads to more godless behavior. And and so you're right. He's He has some truth. To, there is some truth in what he said. That's what makes a guy like that very dangerous, because he's right. If we approach our relationship with God merely based on our emotions— then we're going to be in big trouble because our emotions go up and down. Some days we're happy, some days we're sad. So that statement in and of itself is not a bad statement. However, Jesus really summed up the essence of following him and the direction to take when we have things we don't understand or we come across a Bible verse that's hard to understand or we have somebody that's arguing with us. He does say this. He says, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the idea behind that is not necessarily emotion, although emotions are involved, but it's that self-sacrificial service that's reflective of the character and the nature of Jesus. And so it's good this guy's out of your life. Don't worry about the argument about New King James only. Let him. Don't worry about it. Move on. There'll be more people like this. And just keep your eyes on the Lord. Read your Bible and pray every day and you'll do just fine. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. All right, bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. I I just thought of this. We have new believer 
discipleship resources available for free, just email me or text me and say, send me the discipleship resources. I have lists of books that will help you. We have in-depth Bible studies, fill-in-the-blank Bible studies. We have new believer Bible studies. I have resources of what it means to follow Jesus. I have them all. It will not take, believe me, it does not take me any time to respond because I just cut and paste a document that I have with all these links. And all you do is click through the links and download them. They're trustworthy. We've used them here for years and years and years. And just text me uh, through the number 720-336-0897 or email me at ed at edtaylor.org. And just say, send me the discipleship stuff, and I'll send you the discipleship stuff. 303-690-3000. Let's see where we are. Okay, I did the gift of teaching. Here we go. I've been a follower of Christ for a while, and God's been blessing me in great positions. Um, But I've been having horrible dreams. Some are demonic. I'm not sure what it all means. Well, I think that I'm not sure what it all means either. Uh, so that makes two of us. I don't want you to feel like you are some kind of immature believer or like just because you don't know. Uh, I don't know either. So together we don't know. However, I do know that the way you describe your life, making progress, that what part of what you're experiencing, the Bible calls spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. And the best insight on spiritual warfare is actually given to us in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6. And again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as a helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is of the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion, and stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So definitely you're experiencing spiritual warfare. Whenever there's great progress, there's always great resistance. If the enemy can't fully destroy you, he will distract you. And on a practical level, one of the things I suggest is is as you're going to sleep at night and you're finishing up praying, you know, have the room filled with worship music. You can do that maybe with putting a little earbud in your ear when you go to sleep, or you can do that with playing the music in your room so that the atmosphere of your sleep and how you enter into sleep is a worshipful atmosphere, and it just may be used by God to to strengthen you and to uphold you uh, to, um, you know, Create an atmosphere of just worship and praise before you go to sleep uh, so that that's the last thing on your mind before you fall asleep. 303-690-3000 is the number. Great questions that have come in today. Where are we going here? 
Uh, we are headed. I uh, don't see any more calls. So we'll wait. They're, we're being processed. 303-690-3000. Uh, could you explain further in depth about the millennial reign and if we are in it or not? I'm still very confused. The millennial reign happens after the seven-year Great Tribulation period, and all true believers will rule and reign during the millennial reign of Christ. Um, I've done a couple of Bible studies on this that I would encourage you to go to our app or to our website, calvaryco.church, or go to your app store and just put my name in there, Ed Taylor, download the app, and then I did two Bible studies in the book of Revelation explaining the millennial reign. If you want to email me, I have prophecy resources available to you as well that I can copy and send to you. Just email me at ed at edtaylor.org. I have a timeline of what I know people disagree on the timeline, and that's fine, but this is the timeline that I've taught through here, and I've typed it up and into a little list form so that you can follow along with the scriptures. Um, it's also available on my website. Um, just put in the word millennial or millennium uh, in the search bar on edtaylor.org, and uh, yeah, all believers will be ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ during the millennial period. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. My husband and I are looking for a great devotion to do together. Uh, everything comes across cheesy and basic. Let's read a verse, plucked out of the Bible, pray for wisdom. Uh, we're looking for something that will really help us grow together spiritually. Uh, it doesn't need to be couples devotional. My husband really enjoys the way Levi Lusco writes, uh, something aligns authorship. Well, let me just give you one, let me give you a couple options um, for devotional. One will be a little bit different than your typical devotional, and the other one would be a solid one. So um, first of all, I think Levi Lusco just came out with a devotional, actually, um, uh, let me look real quick. It's not a marriage devotional, um, but uh, I can't. I'm not logged into Amazon. Let me see. Uh, maybe on our website, calvaryco.store. Pretty sure Levi just came out with, I think, maybe it's a kid's devotional. I'm sorry. I am. So anyway, while I'm looking for that, I'm talking and looking at the same time, Um. I want to recommend a, yeah, it's it's a kid's discipleship. It's Roar Like a Lion, 90 Devotions. Oh, maybe it's not. I don't know if it's a kid's one or not. I should know this. Uh, 90 Day Devotion for Courageous Faith. Uh, so it doesn't say that it is. No, it is a kid's. <laughs> okay, talking out loud. This is my head. Uh, it is a kid's devotion. Okay, so here here's a, a devotion recommendation I have for you. Um, a couple of them. You can use the Checkbook of Faith by Charles Spurgeon. That's a really neat selected readings um, by Charles Spurgeon helping you build your faith. And of course, doing it together as a married couple um, would be great. Another great devotional that definitely is not cheesy uh, is My Utmost for His Highest. And that one is even available for free online, myutmost.com or .org, myutmost. Um, but that's a great resource as well, and it's heavy duty. It's not, you're not going to be able to get up and walk away uh, on, from that every day. He's a super challenging. 
And then a non-conventional devotional would be going through the book, Married and How to Stay That Way by Steve Carr, and do the work together. It's not like the traditional devotion where it's a daily reading, daily uh, comment, and then question and answers. You, you can address it from all the different topics, and I believe the newish version has a built-in study guide with it, and that would totally pour in. Um, and you can do, you know, maybe you guys can do a couple pages a day, and then each get a copy and write little notes in the margin or get a, a notebook next to it and and connect the, you know, connect, um, connect the uh, dots in terms of how you guys did it. Like in the very beginning, Married and How to Stay That Way has an amazing spiritual evaluation of your marriage through a series of questions and how you guys answer them. So here, by way of review, um, My Utmost for His Highest is a great devotional. Um, Checkbook of Faith, I think is what it's called by Charles Spurgeon. And then if you want to do something unconventional, Married and How to Stay That Way by Steve Carr. And those resources should all be available. Um, <clears throat> they should all be available by... Um, on calvaryco.store. All right, let's get back to the phone lines. Thank you guys for texting. It's really filled the show today. Um, super good. We're going to go to Laramie, Wyoming. Ronnie, welcome to the program. Hi, thank Hi. you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, my, my question is, um, I have some really good friends that have just dived into the Passions translation. Yes, and you were talking about, you know, the King James translation yes. is not the only one, and I absolutely love the NLT. That's what I use. Right. Um, but my question is, because I read the translation of the Passion uh, through just different, the very first books that he came out with in the New Testament. Yes. And I found that the footnotes somewhat were very, very... Um, not exactly the truth of what I would right. read in the NLT. You're right. And my concern is even some of my friends have even said they don't even believe in the rapture anymore because of this. Wow. And I'm wondering, where do you put that translation? That's a really because good you're question. Saying not all of them are bad, you know, and the King James right. isn't the only one. But my biggest concern is it's written by one person. Right. And my friends say, well, he's a linguist, he understands Greek, he understands Hebrew. He's the only one that's ever interpreted it from, you know, all these different... But when you look at all the other Bibles, there's many, many authors right. of the Bible yeah, for that sure. are working together. Yeah, I think it's important that we... Because you bring up a, a broader question built upon the previous one, and that is we need to make sure that we're when we're looking at an interpretation or a translation of of the Bible, of the man, of the original manuscripts, we got to put them in the right categories. So let's just start with the Passion. It is not a translation. Um, it is, as you said, a one man's paraphrase interpretation of the text, probably using the Greek. Uh, I don't know if they went to the Old Testament or not, but probably using the Greek in the New Testament and maybe another few English versions that were already translated so I would put that in a par in the category of a paraphrase, and a paraphrase is valuable for what it is. Um, it may or may not give you an accurate representation of the actual words that needed to be translated. A real another real popular paraphrase 
would be the um, oh, the message um, by Eugene Peterson. Again, Eugene Peterson never intended to translate the Bible as a, an official translation. He was writing it for devotional purposes. His publisher saw it and said, would you like to do the whole Bible? And he ended up doing the whole Bible. Um, but but the message is not a, uh, a version that you would study from. Um, he takes a lot of liberties, um, a lot of liberties when it comes to his, his work. And he says such, um, you know, he admits it. And so the reason why I'd be, so between the passion and the message, I would choose the message because not only does he admit what it is, he also gives direction for what it, what it's not. And he's a reliable source. And so even on some of the liberties that he takes, you know, we, we may find that we take it back to go, oh man, that's a great uh, way to develop that text. But it's not something to study from. It's not something that you want to base your life on. Um, it would be in the category of like reading another book about the Bible. Um, you know, it's, it's a man's version. Uh, it's a man as author. And we wouldn't want to rely upon that. The passion is one step even farther than that because the theological perspective from what which it is written, the Passion was kind of written to affirm some really weird theology from within that charismatic stream at Bethel, and it should be rejected on face just for that reason alone. I um, agree with you completely on that. And, and so it's in that category of a paraphrase, but then you, people want to go, well, why would you use the message? Because I trust the author. Um, he's a reliable man. I mean, he's gone home to be with the Lord now, but um, a reliable man. Again, that doesn't mean I agree with everything he ever said. That I don't think I could, and nobody's going to agree with everything I've ever said because we're humans. But the Passion Translation, I can dismiss for a lot more different reasons. Whereas the King James, the New American Standard, the New King James, those are real translations that have gone through the process of uh, textual criticism and, like you said, with scholars going back and forth, working on the project for many, many years. Uh, and, you know, they're at the high level. Uh, and then you have um, NIV, New Living Translation. Um, you know, ESV is probably up in that New King James range as well, where it's it's a real literal word-for-word translation, whereas the NIV is more paragraph-for-paragraph. And the NLT is kind of a hybrid where they do really well sometimes, uh, literal translations, uh, but many times they're taking the literal translation and giving us our English idioms um, so that we might even understand the meaning of something rather than... uh, But when I study, I study from many versions that are all open on my Bible program. I right-click words so I can get right to the original language, um, you know, making sure that the word has been handled properly or maybe a word study, but... I do not recommend in any way, not even point zero 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 zero, not even point million zeros percent the passion at all ever. Right. Okay. I agree with you completely, and I don't want to argue with my friends because they're so steeped in it and so steeped in Bethel. Yes. That uh, I mean, I just pray for them constantly that somehow they'll wake up because it's it. It was one of those things where my husband and I were being sucked into this. And then one day we came home because it was right before Easter and we read the footnotes and we were like, wow, that's not what the Bible says at all. Correct. Totally different. And so then we got online and started looking at what other people were saying about the Passion and we were like, whoa. We started praying about it and it was very obvious that the Lord said, 
put it away. Don't yeah. go there. And I think you bring up another good point that's important, and I'm glad that you said that. If we're going to open up a, a version like that and it happens to be handed to us, the right way is to compare it to a reliable translation. Uh, and as you compare it to a reliable translation, you will know very quickly whether there is any credibility to it whatsoever. Um, and I know not everybody's able to do that. I know not everybody is in that place where they, you know, maybe in the new, mat- new believer genre, or they just buy into, it's unfortunate with your friends, I'm sure they're wonderful people, but to buy into and agree to such hideous false teaching uh, is it's just unwise. And, and even though, you know, again, not, not everything coming out of Bethel is bad, um, not everything coming out of their lives. H- however, God's challenging them right now, I think, uh, through the h- horrific loss of uh, the pastor's wife there, uh, through her battle with cancer, um, which is always a, a challenging thing for a faith healing, you know, the, the same people that talk about full healing, and if you're not healed, you're in sin. You know, the guy's wearing glasses, for goodness sake. Um, he can't possibly believe what he's saying. Otherwise, he would be fully healed with his eyes. Um, But we ran out of time. I'm sorry. I I did answer your question. God bless you, sister. Bye-bye. Hey, come out for service tonight, 7 o'clock. And uh, we do pray for the ministry in Bethel and all the changes. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.